0: Good morning, Springbrook, and happy Easter. You got. Happy Easter! Easter. Ah, yes, much, much better. You guys are really looking good today. I didn't know some of you could clean up that well. Some of you didn't know I had a suit. Yes, I do. I do. (laughs) Oh, it's a great Easter morning. My family's here, my three boys, and. Two wives, and just so happy to be together as a church family. Imagine with me that Jesus Christ lived in our time period. Let's say that he was born in Bethlehem in 1985, and we have just learned about him in the last several years as he started his ministry throughout Israel, and, and he's on the news a lot. We're seeing pictures of miracles, videos. Uh, we're seeing amazing teaching, people being healed. He really is a worldwide phenomenon. And, and we're tracking with him. And then last Sunday, it was reported on the news that he announced that he was the Messiah to the Israelites. And uh, that created a lot of stir and excitement. But then we heard that they were going to crucify Him. And everybody was kind of stunned by that. What is going on? And so we watched the crucifixion on whatever screen we might have. A tablet or phone or TV. And and it was wall-to-wall coverage. And they showed Him being brought back to the tomb and the, roll, the stone being rolled in front of it, and the Roman guard. and Everybody's going, what is going on here? But then we wake up today, and we hear that the tomb is empty. Nobody's in the tomb. Jesus is God. Did somebody steal the body? No, there are some women who actually saw Jesus. Wow! The reason I illustrate in that way is because the resurrection did happen. There are 15 different references to it. Some found in Scripture. I mean, Jesus was all over the place after the resurrection. He was with His disciples, having breakfast with them. And He was walking with the two men on the road to Emmaus, and He talked to 500 people in that day. And I tell you what, news like that
1: traveled fast,
0: and within a short period of time, the whole Roman Empire knew that Jesus Christ had come back from the dead, and that's what we're talking about today. It happened, and there are wonderful things that come from being able to look at the ramifications of what Jesus Christ did. So first of all, let's ask, what does a resurrection prove? Well, the first thing is Jesus, who He claimed to be. Jesus is who He claimed to be. John 11:25. Jesus said to her, that's Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus was always making these outrageous statements. I'm just not a perfectionist. I'm perfect, which he was. I am God himself. I have the power over death. A lot of religions, what they'll do with Jesus is they want to get some credibility. So they put Jesus in the mix as one of their prophets. or Oh, he's just a good moral teacher. A good moral teacher. But hey, (laughs) if he was a good moral teacher and he claimed to be God, either he was that or he was the biggest liar that ever lived. And he's deceived millions of people throughout the years. That's the only option you have. And people try to say, oh, Jesus, you know, he's just a nice guy. No, no. Everyone has to make a decision in this lifetime about who Jesus Christ was. Because it will determine your eternity. And if you don't make any decision, well, you're not going to be with Jesus in eternity. So this is such an important issue. Maybe you're here today and uh, you're just checking this out. Uh, Maybe you went to church a long time ago and decided to come out to church today. It's so wonderful to have you all. And you're kind of wondering, I need to find out more about this. I need to explore it. Well, we can start in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that is one of the most hated verses in Scripture. Because we can talk about Jesus Christ being a good teacher and whatever. But if Jesus Christ says, hey, I'm the only way to the Father,
1: well, that means that
0: all the other religions and faiths are wrong. Because there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. And how our culture has changed in the way we view truth has made a big impact on this spiritual area. Because people think, well, all truth is relative, right? All truth is relative. It it all is based upon how you perceive truth. So I'm saying up here, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And you need to choose Him. And you say, well, that's nice for you. But the way I perceive things is that this particular God over here, which is totally different than Jehovah God, A totally different theological system, uh, just opposite ends. You you can hold to your belief about your God, and I can hold my belief about my God. Well, that doesn't work. You just think about the whole area of absolute truth, and that's what we've lost today. People don't like to believe in absolute truth; they like to determine their own truth. And there's so many things that indicate that we do have absolute truth. Just within us, we have a conscience. And that conscience tells us whether we're right or whether we're wrong. And if this thing is a proper thing to do or not, and we feel that conscience and everybody has that conscience, where is that coming from? Well, that's coming from God. If I came up to you and said, you know what? In my belief system, it's okay for me to take a gun and shoot you. Now, that's my truth. How about your truth? (laughs) Well, then you start going to absolute truth right away, right? We don't kill people just for killing people. How about science? Science is really into absolute truth. And it's interesting that our culture recognizes that. If you want to look for truth... You look to science. Well, I have a bone to pick with science. I grew up believing that there was a beautiful planet called Pluto. I did. The solar system. Come on now. And I was just aghast back in the 90s when they started to question the status of this planet. Oh, they found another Planet A little bit bigger, but it was a dwarf planet. So we're going to make Pluto a dwarf planet. doesn't even sound right. right? In 2006, the International Association Union, who makes these types of decisions, again, took Pluto down to a dwarf planet. You see right there in the corner, Pluto and a question mark. What kind of respect is that? I mean, Really, let's be practical. If you're gonna get rid of one of the planets, how about Uranus? I mean, all oh, the kids they make so much fun about that. It doesn't make any sense, right? Pluto, you want the dog, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it's black and white. And that's the way life works. And when people say all roads lead to heaven, well, that's just not living in reality. And also the pursuit of meaning. Each of us have a desire to connect with a higher power. As you study cultures around the world, it's amazing. These groups that haven't been in contact with the rest of us for a long time, but they're worshiping some type of God or gods because they look around at creation and they see and feel... They say, yeah, we need something. We need a purpose. We need someone to honor. The absolute truth you're dealing with every day. Now, this is a stop sign, a four-way stop. A couple of weeks ago, I audited uh, the traffic safety school at Roosevelt University. Uh, ah, no tick or anything. At least there wasn't after I got done with it. But the point <laughs> I always like to be reminded. And always the question comes up in those classes, not that I've been to many of them. It comes up, well, what if four people stop at the same time? What do you do then? You can't go to the right with that type of situation. What are you going to do? And there is no answer to that question. What I saw on the website, they said, "Do not be the aggressive driver. <laughs> Hold back. <laughs> what you're doing? I like this. Really, you got to stop. That's absolute truth. If you go out there and you're driving and you're thinking that that stop sign, which means to you go faster, oh, you're going to have some problems, aren't you? And everybody agrees, yeah." We- I not that idiot stop. That wasn't a stop. You know, I didn't roll back, whatever. No. Stop signs, I believe, are, are the same around the world. That word stop never means go, does it? You see, that's the world we live in of absolute truth. And this whole idea of relative truth is very misleading uh, to many people. So what is the rexure- resurrection of Jesus Christ prove? Jesus is who He claimed to be. The second thing is Jesus has the power He claimed to have. Look in uh, Matthew 28, Jesus talking to the disciples. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Wow. Only God could say that, right? I control the whole world. I have authority over the whole world. Again, these are the statements you need to reconcile in your mind if you're thinking about, okay, was Jesus Christ really God? He made these statements. So if He wasn't God, obviously He's a liar. John 10, 18. No one takes it from me, Jesus Christ, talking about His life, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have a authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus knew why He came to this earth. He came to die. That's why He didn't fight off the Roman guard that came to arrest Him. Now, He could have gotten out of it at any point. could have called down the angels and he have been out of that very, very painful situation. But He stayed with it because He was obeying the Father and because He has this tremendous love for us. And He wanted to make a way for us to have that relationship with the Father. So, the resurrection proves that Jesus is who He claimed to be. Jesus has the power He claimed to have. He came back, right? And Jesus will do what He promised to do. Now, what did He promise to do? Mark 10, 34, talking to His disciples. And they will mock Him and spit on Him and flog Him and kill Him. And after three days, He will rise. He's talking about Himself. He's saying, yeah, they're going to kill me and then I'm going to come back. And the grave, he mentioned it several times to the disciples, and they were they couldn't understand that, they couldn't fathom that. It didn't fit into their plan. But he said, "This is going to happen," and the fact that it happened proves what? Proves that he is God, because he's. I mean, who else is going to make that claim, right? They're going to kill me on a cross, and then three days later, I'm coming back. Can you imagine if you were working that day with the crucifixion? And you help put Jesus Christ to death, and then four days later you see him talking to a bunch of people. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> Wait a second. That guy was dead. I buried him. I'm losing my mind. If huh? <laughs> you saw that type of thing. But the angel said to the women who had come to the tomb, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He did what He said. He came back to life. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, come see the place where He lay. The resurrection is so important because it proves that Jesus Christ was God Himself. It proves that Jesus Christ has the power to transform your life and my life. It proves that He will do what He promised. And that's amazing. So, that's what the resurrection proves. Now, let's look at it from a personal light. Why is the resurrection so important to me? Why should I even be concerned about it? Oh, I know some of you are in pain today. Life is not working out in the way that you wanted it to. The marriage failed. And the career didn't work. Whatever. And there's a lot of things in your life where you know you've made mistakes. You know you've sinned against God. You did something that was not in line with God had for you to live the best life. Well, the great news is that God will forgive you of those sins. This is a young woman. She writes, I'm 31 years old and divorced. Though I fought the divorce bitterly, I feel bad. I have no hope for my future. Often I go home and cry. But there's no one holding me when I cry nobody cares nothing changes and i continue to fail i feel as if i'm going to have to sit out the rest of my life in the penalty box maybe you feel like that today feel like well i pretty kind of messed things up here (laughs) I, i don't know where do i go where I have hope. I used to have a hope that life would go well for me, and it hasn't. Well, friends, I've got great news for you. Because with Jesus Christ, you can start a new chapter in your life. I don't care how messy your life is. That's what God specializes in. And He can come in and transform your heart and your attitudes and your behavior. And you can experience freedom like you never imagined. And I know that because I'm a Christ follower.
1: And I know a lot of Christ
0: followers. And they've told me, this is unbelievable. People should know about this. And of course, that's why we're here today. Colossians 2.13 And you, who were dead in your trespasses, Paul's writing here to the people of Colossae, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. What if you got a phone call from someone who knows you, and they're very wealthy, and they say, I just want to help you out. So I'm going to pay off all of your loans. I'm going to pay off your credit cards. I'm going to pay off your cars. I'm going to pay off your house. And then on top of that, I'm giving you 500 grand to get started in a new way of living. How many would say, "Amen"? Amen! I don't want to say amen. I don't know about you guys. (laughs) If you didn't want to take the deal. Right? That's amazing! And you see, that's what Jesus Christ is saying about your spiritual life and your sins, your struggles. He says, I'm going to give you a new beginning. Look back at Colossians 2.13. And you... Now, that's everybody. And you were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sin. Every one of us come into this world and we're born sinners. Born with that sinner's orientation, that sinner's desire. And what you could say is that we're born and we go on spiritual death row. That's where we're at. We're already condemned. We already are facing a Christless eternity. But we're there on the spiritual death row. Now, here's the amazing news. is that God has an unbelievable pardoning plan. You know, the governor calls. They're going to stay at the execution. That type of thing. Jesus Christ is waiting on the phone, metaphorically speaking. Because again, we need His healing, righteous forgiveness in order to be born again spiritually, in order to have a relationship with Him. And and He wants to take care of us, He wants to make us alive spiritually, He wants us to be forgiven. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That's a problem. We're born sinners and God is a holy and a just God. Now, because He is holy and perfect in every way, He has, again, these laws. And we've broken the laws, so what's the legal demand? Of course, that we experience spiritual death. But God came in and He loved us so much. He said, okay, you know, I'm going to send my, my son to die on your behalf. He sent Himself, right? Because nobody else could do it. Nobody else could be our substitute. It had to be someone who was fully God and fully man, and that lived a perfect life. Now that's a person who could take our sins upon him, and on that afternoon of the crucifixion, all of those sins, past, present and future, for everyone that ever lived was laid upon Jesus Christ, the burden, the man who knew no sin became sin for us. I will never understand how much he suffered there with God turning back, not being able to look at him. But that's what he was doing. He was again doing this for us so we would no longer have to pay the penalty because he's paying the penalty right at that point. And all we have to do Is accepted, and we can become holy and righteous as God sees us. Now, still, we're struggling with sin, but God forgives all of our sins, past, present, and future. And I love this. By canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands, his justice. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? All of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our frustrations, He nailed it to the cross. He set it aside. He took care of it for us. He's giving us the pardon if we'll just pick up the phone. If we'll just say, yes, Jesus, I believe you paid the penalty. I believe that I can do nothing for my salvation. And it's only you that I have to respond to. Romans 8:1 Oh, what a beautiful verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's say that together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's one of the most exciting verses in Scripture, isn't it? Because are you feeling condemned in any way? Are you feeling like, oh, I've really, God's not even interested in me. I've done so many things. Oh, yes, He does. He wants to have a relationship with you. And you can experience a life where you have no guilt because your sins have been. Forgiven. Obviously, if you sin, you're going, to forget, uh, you're going to feel guilty. But when you come to the Father and say, I confess my sin, then you don't have to be guilty. It, it, it just sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? You know, some of you are thinking that. Too good to be true. The church that I grew up on said this and this, I do this and that and this and that. This, this is way too simple. And you know why you're saying it's too simple? Because you're prideful. That's the main reason most people don't come to Christ. I've got to earn something. I've got to do it myself. Because, I mean, if we go with Jesus' way, anybody can get into heaven. Yeah, that's right. And I'm not special anymore. Yeah, that's right. What doesn't feel good? Well, I tell you what. Once you connect with Jesus Christ, and the love starts to flow through your life, His power starts to flow in your life. As you read God's Word and you, you understand with new eyes because you become a Christ follower, wow, the world makes sense now. It was a total confusion before, but it makes sense. So why does resurrection matter? My past can be forgiven. And my present problems can be managed. Now this is talking, uh, Paul's writing here about the power of God that's available to us. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might... That He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. God wants to give you resurrection power. I mean, whoa! What kind of power was unleashed to bring Jesus Christ back from the dead? That's the same power according to His power. Oh, mercy, He has all kinds of power. So when you step into a relationship with God, when you become his follower, this is access for you. And life is tough. And it doesn't mean if you become a Christ follower, all your problems are going to go away. No, Christ said you're always going to have trouble when you're in this world. But when you're a Christ follower, number one, you understand why you're suffering. You understand what the rationale is. There are answers to your deepest questions. He's there. And the way I like to view it is that His grace flows into your life. I know I've experienced in difficult times in my life, God doesn't take the problem away, but He shows up every morning to give me the emotional the physical and mental strength that I need to handle whatever's going on in my life. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk to many of the people here. People who've lost husbands, wives, people who've gone through cancer. All oh, those are big and say, yes, God was there with me. And that was the difference He brought me through. Well, you become a Christ follower. Oh, man, you have the Bible. The Bible is full of God's There's so many promises. Oh, they're made just for you. that You need to cash in on I'm telling you. God promises so many wonderful things. And, and then you have fellowship or, or being with other Christ followers. And, and that's why you look at this audience. And it's very, very diverse. I don't think there'd be any other time when you get this audience together unless when people come to worship God because we have a commonality with the Holy Spirit that binds us together. I know you're thinking a lot, this guy's crazy. But I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm talking about reality here. All right? And I'm passionate about it because I know there are people in this room who have not yet made... That decision Philippians four thirteen I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Whatever's going on in your life, he can strengthen you in that. And I'll continue to be available to you at any time to <laughs> so let his power and love flow through. So, what does resurrection mean to me? My past can be forgiven, my present problems can be managed, and my future can be sure. I want you to do something. When you have your Easter dinner today, everybody's going to talk and and just say, Hey, what do you think about death? (laughs) What'd you say? What do you think about death? What's going to happen after we die? People would freak out, right? (laughs) What happened to you? (laughs) Nobody wants to talk about death. We want to pretend it isn't there. And we live in denial of it. But it's going to happen. The death rate still is at 100%. Different children responding to death. When you die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. Amen. Amen. Doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bill. Ah, is there any truth in that? I'm going to keep you alive if you keep on paying. When you die, you don't have to do your homework in heaven unless your teacher is there too. That's the worst thing to show up in heaven and there's your teacher. (laughs) I thought this was a good place. A good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. Strange thought. Well, there's some essentials to heaven. One thing I want to say about heaven. Heaven
1: is fantastic.
0: And I know you're thinking, I don't, I don't even have a voice to sing. Oh, I do all day sing the choir. You know, play the harp. Oh, what's about that? oh, no, that's not it, friends. Oh, this is Earth 1.0. God created a great earth here with many things to enjoy. If He's been working 2,000 years on it, the next heaven, don't you think, it's going to be so much better? It is. We're going to have responsibilities. I hopefully we'll eat. I think there's proof for that. <laughs> and everything's new every day. What What'd you have for lunch today? Oh, something new. Every day in heaven, it's a new day. It gets better and better and better. How can that be? Because God is making it happen. God is, again, treating you the way you should. But to get into heaven, you need to be perfect. (laughs) That's a problem. So, we have different plans. Let's look at this. Ways people try to get into heaven. This is a performance plan that a lot of people choose. Salvation by sincerity. Hey, I can believe in whatever I want and it will come true. (laughs) You can be sincere as you want and really get yourself into a mess. Salvation by service. All right. Well, I've been helping these people I've been serving at the church. No, that's not going to do it. That's still good works crap. Salvation by heritage. I grew up in a Christian family. There was even a pastor who was my uncle. So therefore, I get in because of my name. No, you don't. You don't. If you're born in a garage, it doesn't mean you're a car, right? Does that make any sense to anybody? All right? Salvation by ritual. If I go to church, if I do these certain things, if I'm baptized, and the list goes on. Or salvation by comparison. Well, I tell you what, if Hitler's going to hell, I'm not going to hell. Oh, I'm so much better than he is. Or so much better than my wife. Or so much better than whoever. I'm better. And I'm lying to myself. But I'm better. And so I should get in. Ask people, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And the saddest answer I hear is, I hope so. I hope so. What do you you hope so? Well, I don't know if I've been good enough. Man, you've got to realize that you do not earn your relationship with God.
1: He offers
0: to you it for free. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God that is a result of works, so that no one can boast. I could say, hey, you know, been to years of school about the Bible and been a pastor. God could care less. He, he accepts people. And their sinful position. I mean, how much effort did you put into becoming who you are? I mean, you think about your mom and dad. They came up with the idea, right? Your dad was very interested in the beginning part of the process. Uh, <laughs> but then the mother took over. <laughs> oh, what your mother did for you. The pain. The pain. She she had morning sickness
1: probably.
0: Right? Back aches, Bloated. Just like an Having the kid in August when it was the hottest ever. Your mom did you for that did that for you. So say thank you to your mom if she's here today, right now. Say thank you, mother. Boys, thank Gloria there for what she went through for you. Amazing. And sometimes moms remind you of that. (laughs) Right? No doubt. And I tell you what, friends, you did nothing. You were squeezed out into the world. You did nothing to come into this world and you do nothing to become a Christ follower but to believe in the grace of Jesus Christ and that He can forgive your sin and He can bring you alive spiritually. First Peter one three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are to be born again. To start a new life. would like us to watch a, a video of Brett Filer, who Christ transformed his life four years ago. And let's see how his life was revolutionized.
1: Hi, my name is Brett. I've been coming to Springbrook for around four years now. And um, I was asked if I could tell you my story. And I guess it started when I was a child. I, um, I didn't have any real religion in my life, just or God wasn't really a part of my life. My family was a troubled family. Uh, my father was violent. He would um, assault my mother and um, physically and verbally. And um, they got separated and divorced when I was 16 years old and I left home at that time. You know, I was pretty much in control of my life. At least I thought I was. And I did everything how I wanted to do it. Uh, Nothing else really mattered. I kind of went the path I decided to go. I ended up being arrested and I paid some penalties. And um, my life was heading in... In a downward spiral, um, that led me through my teenage years and young adulthood, and then I decided um, I was going to try to straighten out my life, and it changed course a little bit. And I got married in '84 and have three children, but I was still the same person. I lived my life my own way, I lived it according to my own rules, and I thought I was setting my own destiny. I thought I had a good life, but I was always missing something. Then for some unforeseen reason, I, um, I had this calling. I mean, I can't tell you what it was. It was inside. I didn't know at the time it was God speaking to me. I had a couple of neighbors, Bill and Becky Atkinson. I called them up and asked them if I could speak to them. And they said yes. And they explained uh, Christianity to me. They explained the gospel to me. And at the same time, they... Guided me through the Bible, and I started reading the Bible, and I couldn't put it down. I had this tattoo on my arm, and it was of the devil, and I had a urge to get it off of my arm. So I went to the tattoo shop, and I had um, this tattoo put on. At the bottom of it, there's a black spiraling hole, which was the turmoil of my life. The phoenix is rising out of there into a sunset, which was the promise of a new day. And to me, that was the gospel. I approached my family and I told them that I had made a faith commitment and I'm now a Christian. They laughed and said, Dad, this thing's going to last about two to three weeks and you'll be moving on. Well, it lasted four years so far. That was four years ago. And in that four years, I have had the blessings of God and He's shown me my path he met me where I was. I didn't have to come to him. He was there for me the whole time. All I had to do was listen and recognize him. So my growth really started because of the church. Um, I went down to a place called the Hope House. Those are for people that are coming out of jail or off the street. That really touched me in there, and that put me into the jail ministry, which I volunteered to do and serve up at the McHenry County Jail now. My parenting skills have changed. My thought process has changed. Yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect, and I still make mistakes with them, but I realize my mistakes. I look back at them, and I can correct them now. At my job, they don't even recognize me anymore compared to where I was four years ago. I have a group of people around me that are all now believers that I have led to Jesus. I can't even express in words how my life has been changed and how I get up every morning thankful for what I've been given. It's an amazing journey. And the great thing is, it's just begun. Amen.
0: Wow. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, we could play videos all day of other people who have given their testimonies. I just want to encourage you. This is a uh, salvation prayer. It's the idea of what we've talked about, kind of put into prayer. Uh, Let me just read it here. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I no longer trust in my good works to save me. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. And I know we have a lot of different people here today. We have people who've come and their eyes have been opened. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't understand that. But I've got to check that out some more. And oh, please, we, we would love to help you in any way uh, to do that. You might say, well, I'm too messed up. All these people have their act together. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm one of them. Okay. I'm messed up, right? We're all messed up. That's why we need Jesus. All right. Yeah. Or maybe there's people here who have heard this message over and over and over and over. And you're just holding back. And you're saying, if I become a Christian, I'm going to give up all the fun stuff I do. No, you don't. I mean, you might not do it, but you're going to find a lot more fun stuff to do when you're living uh, for Jesus. Uh, So, if you feel so led, pray this prayer silently with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I no longer trust in my good works to save me. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow You as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and empower me to do Your will. In Jesus' name, Amen. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, (laughs) what a wonderful thing for those who made that decision today and now who are Christ followers in You. Well, I pray that they'd identify themselves so We can help them in whatever way to develop this new relationship. uh, That's what we're all about. We're all about reaching and building passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the good news of the gospel, Lord. And I pray for those here who have drifted away from you. It's so easy to do. I just want to remind them that you you love them and you want them back. You want them back walking with you, being engaged in Christian community and feeling the blessings that flow from a relationship with you. Thank you for today. Thank you that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In Christ's name, amen.